Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets Podcast. It's H-Town Hoops. Hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. It is the H-Town Hoops Podcast with Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. Coming to you guys fresh off a Rockets loss to the Celtics. It is the second half of a back-to-back. Rockets went on the road and faced the Chicago the Chicago Bulls in Chicago, and they won that game. And then the, the following day, they faced the Boston Celtics. They lose that game 126 to 102. It was a game about the star players in this one, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, each going for at least 30 points apiece. Uh, Jalen Brown had 39 for the Boston Celtics, and Jason Tatum had 38. Um, the Rockets were led by Jalen Green's 28 points, an explosion in the third quarter, and Kevin Porter Jr.'s 22. And he had a big second quarter. But before we even get into breaking down this game, Adam, I just want to ask you, is it time now? Should the Rockets just not even waste any time and just offer that free agent deal to to, to Jalen Brown and not even wait for 2024 when he's available? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and send the Fertitas to Boston. Let them, they can follow Jalen Brown around uh, the entire, you know, the rest of the next two seasons. They can, you know, like show little little pictures of the Golden Nugget. Just do anything because he is exactly what they need. He would fit perfectly with what they have, uh, but obviously would be a long shot that they could get him because Boston could offer more money. But it, there's this kind of feeling that, at least for me, Jalen Brown has basically spent his entire career in trade rumors, whether it be for Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. And even this summer, after they go to the finals, he's in trade rumors for Kevin Durant. So, you know, I wonder how much, how wanted he has felt by the Celtics over the last few years. And if you're the Rockets, just put all the eggs, all your eggs in that basket. I know we're going to talk about one of the other free agent possibilities coming up uh, this summer, but man, he he's just, he's perfect for them. He really is perfect for them. I think that he would fit, really well next to Jalen Green and Jabari Smith and whoever they draft this summer. But it's just, to me, that would be a no-brainer if they could somehow get him. Yeah, he was plus 21 on Tuesday night against the Rockets. Uh, Again, like we mentioned, 39 points, 14 to 26 shooting was really just, was really just excellent for them. And I, I love how you mentioned the fact that he's been a part of trade rumors for at least what seems like the majority of his career for as long as he's been an excellent player and he's in one of those interesting spots where he's obviously going to get paid whether it be with boston offering him more money like you mentioned or if it is another destination like houston or somewhere else like that but he's he's one of those players that i think is in an interesting spot where he's not quite the guy that you build an entire team around but he's also sort of that piece or guy that would basically just be great on any team especially one that's trying to contend and really fits that perfect secondary role and so because of that i feel like he's always somebody that you would be wanting to trade because he's always going to be that guy that it feels like could be sort of that missing piece to a team that feels like they need that that other wing score really that other wing all-around player he's like an elite second best player on a championship team you know what i mean like he's not going to be the best player on a championship team but if he's your second best player 
you have a great chance of winning a championship. You saw last year with Boston where Jason Tatum is clearly the best player on that team. And Jason Tatum can be the best player on a championship team. And when you slide Jalen Brown right next to him, that makes for just a really good combination. And you've seen it now with the Celtics. It's not just the last couple of years. It's really over, what, a five, six-year stretch where they have competed every single year that he's been in the league. They've been to the Eastern Conference Finals, I want to say, what, three or four times. They went to the NBA Finals last year. He's just a winning player. He does all the things that you need to do if you are going to win. Yeah, well, speaking to the point of it not just being, you know, a year or two or the last couple of years, how this has kind of been a sustained success for them. And really quietly, Adam, honestly, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they are becoming one of the better duos of our time, especially one of the better scoring duos of our time. There was a mention during the broadcast how there is there are only – there's only two other tandems, teammate tandems that have more 30 point games, like where both players have had a 30 point game in the same game more than Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. And that combination, I believe like they just passed Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. And the only ones with more than that, I believe would be Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma city. And I'm trying to think of what the other one was. Yeah, Shaq and Kobe. Shaq and Kobe would be the obvious one. Yeah, Shaq and Kobe. So we're talking about them being sort of in that echelon of tandem, uh, it, it just sort of all time in, in terms of volume scores with, you know, the Shaq and Kobe's of the world and, you know, again, passing Michael Jordan and, and Scottie Pippen. So really impressive what they've been able to do. And really, just to talk about the Celtics real quick, one of the things that I was really looking forward to watching with them, with the Rockets, I mean, playing against the Celtics was an opportunity to probably play the most complete team that they've played. I mean, the Celtics are deep. Um, now, like I mentioned earlier, this was a game about the stars. It was about Jalen Brown. It was about Jason Tatum for the most part. But it's a team that is deep. And really the the perfect example to me of where exactly the Rockets are trying to go, especially with two of their best players uh, being wing players and Kevin Porter Jr., and Jalen Green, and to their credit, I thought that they've played, let's just call it these back-to-backs, use them as the example. Of course, they won that game against the Bulls, and Kevin Porter Jr., who we'll talk about in a little bit, a little bit more, um, has been excellent these last couple of games, and to me, this was really a good, a good measuring point going from, I would say, one degree of a dynamic tandem to another in DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, which is you know, what seems like really kind of an attainable thing for them right now. I, I was seeing on Twitter where people were talking about, hey, is, is Jalen Green as good as DeMar DeRozan or as good as Zach Levine is right now? I wouldn't say so, but I could definitely see why you might think that or why you might ask that question. And then, of course, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, again, the epitome of that. How, how did you feel like the Rockets, particularly their, their backcourt tandem, measured up against – sort of the more accomplished and experienced ones and what would you say we learned about the Rockets over the past week and some change you know I I think it's really hard to compare Boston and Chicago just because the Celtics are so much better than what the Bulls are just much more well-rounded and all the way that Boston defended the Rockets tonight where 
it just showed off the versatility where you're seeing Marcus Smart guard Alfred and Shingun to start possessions. And that really kind of messed up what the Rockets, I think, wanted to do offensively, where um, by having that matchup, now all of a sudden you have um, it, it allowed the, the Celtics to easily just switch all pick and roll action. And that gave the Rockets some problems, but I, just the talent of Porter and Green allowed the offense to be functional, even when that part of their game wasn't quite there. Uh, so they were in control. Uh, uh, Green had, I think, four turnovers today, whatever that's going to happen. But I, I do think that the last couple of games for Porter, uh, he, the shot wasn't quite falling tonight the way that it was in Chicago. But, you know, 18 assists and two turnovers over the last two games, you'll take that every single time. So I do think that this was a step in, dire- in the right direction. Um, over the It was a weird week when you look at it. Um, they, they, they had the game against Orlando that you felt like they should have won, and then they completely cratered against the zone. And then against Dallas, it took Luka Doncic scoring 50 to beat them. So it's been kind of a strange week coming off the bad game against San Antonio. Uh, You were really encouraged by what you saw for the first, I don't know, 30 minutes against Orlando, and then they went to the zone and everything fell apart. And then I thought the Dallas game was okay. I thought they played okay against Dallas. Yesterday's game against the Bulls was terrific. And then for, I don't know, we'll say three quarters, they were right there with the Celtics, and then I think that playing the back-to-back is really what did them in tonight. This was a hard game for them. Not only are you playing the best team in the league, but you're shorthanded. They have all their guys, and they have the rest advantage. Yeah, I think it was a pretty big letdown or disappointment for them to not be able to respond well to the adjustment that the Magic made in that game when they went to the zone and – it's like the the rock is completely cratered under it. We talked about how interesting it would be to watch them match up against the zone when they were playing against, was it Miami and the Spurs? Yeah. Uh, and Miami in particular, like how how would they how would they fare against the zone? And then lo and behold, it it, it ended up being <laughs> it ended up being the magic that seemed to to deploy it the best against the Rockets. And I know they've got some length and some athleticism that could make things tricky for you or for any team when they go zone. But it seemed like the Rockets just completely forgot exactly how to attack it. They didn't really move the ball and do the things that you're kind of trained to do against the zone. And 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 that that showed up against the against the Orlando Magic team that really is similarly situated in position to the Rockets, I think. Uh, in terms of just the overall makeup, but but uh, let's just be honest. I feel like in that particular game they got out coached a little bit, or at least it, it it. I don't know if it's if it's necessarily fair to blame that on the coaches, but it doesn't seem like whatever. If there was a message of how to respond to the zone, that it that it did not feel like it uh, like it resonated because they didn't do really do anything against it. It was one of those things because they faced a lot of zone against Miami. It was 26 zone, 23 zone possessions, and they scored 26 points in those 23 possessions. And then against Orlando, it was 29 zone possessions, and they only scored 20 points. And they had their principles, and they knew what they were supposed to do. And I, I think the best example of this is real early when Orlando went to the zone. Um, the Rockets got a dunk from K.J. Martin where he was set up on the left wing. He cuts. They get the ball to the middle, and then Shingun eventually finds – Martin and they get the dunk very next possession. They have Martin on the other side. Shingun has the ball on the middle and they're waiting on Martin to cut and he doesn't do it. 
So is that on coaching or is that just on the player? And I think a lot of times it's on the player. And so it's not like they have a chance to really work on zone offense a whole lot. They really haven't had a lot of practice time. I don't think that they expected to see any zone from Orlando. They saw it a little bit when they played in Florida earlier in the year. But you can only, as a coach, you can only tell guys what to do. You can't do the job for them. And I do think some of the size with the Magic flustered them a little bit. Uh, they, they were just hesitant against it. And I'm not giving Silas a pass for it by any stretch. I think, obviously, what happens on the floor, that's the responsibility of the coach as well. But for me, it's almost always on the players. I think the players bear a lot of responsibility for what happens on the floor. So I, I, I put it more on the players than on Silas. I do think Silas probably deserves some of it. But for the most part, I think it's on the players. All right, let's talk about Kevin Porter Jr. for a little bit, because, you know, if we're going to have a conversation about the players, I don't think we can talk about these last couple of games without highlighting how good Kevin Porter Jr. has been. You even mentioned it a few moments ago that he's got 18 assists and just two turnovers over the last couple of games, had 36 points in the win against the Chicago Bulls. Um, Even in this game, in the second quarter, he scored or set up 21 of the Rockets, 28 points. He's just been really good. And we talked in previous episodes about some of the things that Kevin Porter Jr. needs to do with his game to either either eliminate out of his game or add to his game uh, some of the some of the odd mid-range shots. But one of the things that I've noticed about him over these last couple of games is that he just he just seems different, kind of like I don't know if it's an attitude or mentality or just being a little bit more aggressive and not focusing somehow it feels like him not focusing too much on the whole point guard thing not to say that he has focused too much on it but somehow him just being himself has at least over these last couple of games looked like it's helped turn him into a more efficient player again just for at least for these last couple of games what have you seen specifically from Kevin Porter Jr in the in this in these back to backs against Chicago and Boston i feel like he really showed what he could be it seems like he's attacking a lot more than he was before. And I think for me, the uh, one of the possessions that stands out over these last two games was against Chicago. It's late in the game and he got a switch with Nikola Vucevic and he just, he cleared out isolation and he just attacked him. And I think that's what you want to see from him is you have a mismatch like that, take the mismatch. And I thought that that was impressive for him to see that, and to attack it. Um, and I, I, so I do think it's been a positive stretch. Um, you know, we, we kind of made a big deal over his quotes about the holidays and stuff like that, but maybe it was real. Maybe now that the holidays are over, he's got that distraction out of the way and the family's back home in in Washington and now he can just go play basketball. So maybe, maybe there was a little something to that. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I thought it was a, I thought it was a strange, <laughs> And to be clear again, he was sort of given that out based on how that question and sort of idea was presented to him. And it seems like he just kind of took it. But again, like you said, maybe there was something, maybe, maybe there was something to that. What did you think about how it seemed like in the first half, and I know that they've done this at various times throughout the season, but really not a lot. And, and a lot of folks have wanted to see them do it a little bit more what did you think of how Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green were staggered again, or at least early on against Chicago? Um, Ty Ty Washington has made his way into the rotation, seemingly, at least for now, supplanting 
uh, Dacia Nix as the backup point guard. What do you make of? And, and I think we even saw a little bit on Tuesday night with the uh, with the with the with the with the Celtics game, a little bit of Kevin Porter Jr. and Ty Ty Washington on the floor together. Ty Ty being the more natural point guard, allowing Kevin Porter to play off the ball and be more of a, a scorer and to attack the way we've been talking about the, the way he's been doing. What have you thought about just sort of the the guard rotation of the last couple of days, if you will? Yeah, I thought it was kind of strange against the Bulls because, like you said, they did stagger Porter and Green uh, in the first half. And for the season, uh, they entered Monday's game averaging 30 minutes a, a night on the floor together. And then in the first half against the Bulls, they only played 11 minutes together. It was that those first eight minutes and then the last three minutes of the first half. So you had a stretch of 13 minutes where it was one of them on the floor, but not the other. So they do that. They do it that way in the first half. And then in the second half, they basically mirrored the two. So I don't know what to make of it. It, it still kind of feels like they're trying to experiment with what works today. They had to stagger the two out of necessity because Eric Gordon didn't play. Um, and, you know, they say that it really, they say it doesn't matter. That, that's a big, been a big thing from Silas that they don't think it matters. Um, if they stagger them, if they mirror them, they feel like that everything is basically the same. For me, I have no problem if they just want to mirror the two because these games don't matter at the end of the day. They're not really trying to win games, so you might as well get Green and Porter, what you would assume would be the backcourt of the future, as many reps together as possible, just so that you know if it works. And so if you can get 30 minutes a night out of it, then, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like it's going to take away from your championship hopes if you have, you know, one of the, if you have both of them on the bench at the same time. So I, I just, I you know, you just want to see how it, how it looks. And it's been good to see Ty Ty Washington get some minutes here. Uh, it does seem like he's going to be the backup point guard, at least for the next handful of games as Silas gets a uh, more of a look at him. I think we've seen, a lot of Dacian Nix and, you know, Dacian Nix got his opportunity and now it looks like it's Ty Ty Washington's turn. So um, I would like to see a little bit more Josh Christopher just to see if he has actually improved. And uh, we saw a little bit of him tonight. I thought actually he had a couple good moments today uh, in garbage time. And again, it doesn't mean a whole lot, but I thought that he did a couple of good things uh, during that stretch. So it's uh, the guard rotation. It's been interesting that they just haven't been able to settle on anything. And I would at some point like to see them decide, okay, we're going to stagger them or we're going to mirror them and just stick with one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, it's, it's early on. We're really only talking about the last couple of games here with Ty Ty Washington, but he had the best, or at least with a couple of minutes left in the game, I know he had the best plus minus of anybody who played for the Rockets today. And, and I'm looking at it now. It looks like he did finish with that, uh, or no, well, it looks like he's looks like he's minus three actually. Earlier, it seemed like he had the best plus minus, and that he still you know, had that, the best. That, that I was gonna say that might actually be the best. Yeah, it was the best. <laughs> uh, uh, funny enough, but but yeah, I, I I have been more intrigued. I was more intrigued with Dacian Nix last year before Ty Ty Washington was drafted. Again, I don't know how much it matters right now. You're talking about the backup point guard on arguably the worst team in the NBA, or certainly one of the worst teams in the NBA. That's not going anywhere. But all this is about evaluation and figuring out what like what the role is going to be for all of these young players and where exactly do they fit in to the overall sort of Rockets development ecosystem, if you will. Real quick on this 
Bulls game because there was a little bit of discussion about where this actually ranks in terms of moments for the Rockets. When I think about some of their really big wins, man, I think about like the best moments for the Rockets of the year, especially in, like in terms of wins. I think about the Milwaukee game at home, well, one that we discussed here on the podcast, and then also the 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 the, the Philadelphia game, uh, the James Harden you know, third comeback uh, to, to to Toyota Center. I thought those were probably the best wins or some of the best moments that I can remember this year for the Rockets, but, of course, also at home. This might have been, at the very least, if not their best game or their best win of the season, certainly would you say their best road win of the year? No, I would put the Phoenix game up there. The um, one where they where they almost uh, – Yeah. Phoenix I, almost won the game with seven uh, different shots at the end? Yeah, I know it's it, – that wasn't their cleanest game, sure, but I sure. thought just just in terms of like type of win, beating the Suns is going to be a whole lot more impressive than beating the Bulls. I Fair thought enough. it was probably one of their most complete games, if that's maybe what you're asking. I thought, yeah, sure, especially sure. offensively. I thought offensively they were terrific, really the entire game. Um, the Bulls went on that run in the second. The Bulls went on that run, excuse me, in the second quarter, and a lot of that had to do with three point shooting, which is something the Bulls just don't do. Nobody takes fewer threes in the league than the Bulls, and all of a sudden they started firing them up and then they started making them. So, you know, you take that away, which is completely uncharacteristic for what they do. The Rockets pretty much just dominated that game and to score 133 against those guys. It's not like well, the Bulls have been a better defensive team this season than they've been an offensive team. So to put up 133 and to do it as efficiently as they did, I thought that maybe from just an offensive standpoint, that might've been their best game of the season. Yeah, and another thing that I would highlight, want to get your thoughts on, is back-to-back really good Jalen Green road games. I thought it felt like that, that that's been really important. And Jalen Green, let's just be honest about it, man, he's been up and down. He shows the flashes, though. You see it pretty much every game that it's right there. It's just something that he's got to put together more consistently. Yeah, the thing today that, that I, I like, and really going back to last night also, is just the willingness to take threes again. Yeah, you know, that he hasn't he hasn't shot the three well. Uh, before last night, he was um, last night stopped a kind of a run where he was just shooting twenty percent from three, and you know he steps in last and he started to hesitate too on that shot, wasn't taking nearly as many as he was before. So against the Bulls, he comes right out first two minutes, his first two shots are threes, and he makes them. And he talked about how he gained some confidence uh, with that, and he's been in the gym working on the shot uh, with John Lucas. But again, tonight, he didn't shoot it particularly well. Again, part of that might have to do with the back-to-back, and um, I'll look and see exactly what he was first half and second half. But he, t- he took 11 threes tonight. So those are shots that you want him to take, especially if they're going to give it to him. So I, I think that shot selection for him has been pretty good, and uh, you want him to be aggressive. You want him to be aggressive with that shot. If it's there, go ahead and take it because you have to have – because I think that they believe in that shot for him moving forward. And I know it, it hasn't been great this season, but he was 34% last year, which is a little below average, but he started this season shooting 37.5% from three. You'll take that. That's a really good number, especially with the volume with which he takes that shot. So uh, for me, getting to the rim, um, didn't really get to the free throw line much in this game, but he's playing against a Celtics team that doesn't foul a whole lot, just a really smart, disciplined team. Um so I, I do think that I thought last night, I know he put up bigger numbers in the game tonight, just in terms of scoring, but I thought last night he was probably a little bit better. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and you're talking about being a little bit better on the night before he goes off for 
18 points just in the third quarter alone. And so to me, that shows the aggressiveness, that shows the confidence. And those are all things that you want to see from your number two overall pick in his second year um, when he's still trying to figure things out, still trying to tap into really that potential that he, I don't even think he's even come close to realizing yet. So a long way to go with Jalen Green and the development and all of that. Now we're talking about the focal point of the Rockets right now being Jalen Green, also being, of course, Kevin Porter Jr., one of their leaders now, or to hear him tell it, their leader now. But one of the Rockets' former leaders made some news over the weekend. It was really odd, Adam. I want to get your thoughts on not just the story overall, but the timing of the headline itself. Comes out, of course, the NBA and the NFL shared Christmas in this particular year because Christmas fell on a Sunday and the NFL got to play on a Sunday. NFL and NBA get to collide and share real estate on Christmas Sunday. I personally felt like the NBA, the NBA action was still more compelling, even if the NFL is always going to win the day when they go head to head. But right before the 76ers and the New York Knicks play, I believe they're the first game on Christmas Day. They were right before we get that game. We get a headline that I didn't think was super enlightening past what we've kind of heard whispers of and and sort of even what we i feel like what we understood the situation to be with anyway or to be anyway with james harden maybe this willingness to come back to the houston rockets but plain and simple adrian warjanowski reports for espn right before they play that game very odd timing to me that james harden would be willing and might even be interested in returning to the Rockets if he opts out of his deal after the end of this year. And, and that's something that could actually happen. Where are you right now on a potential James Harden Rockets reunion, whether it makes sense, I'll just say off top. I think that it makes perfect basketball sense in terms of bringing in a guy who is an elite point guard leads or at least the last time I checked was leading the league in assists. And really has just changed the entire sort of identity of player that he is or was certainly from what he was the last time he was here. And when he when he was sort of the focal point of the organization, I think it can make basketball sense. I certainly see why why it might not make interpersonal sense or why there could be sort of, of a distraction or a concern about undue influence on the younger players and that sort of thing. Where are you at right now on on whether a James Harden Rockets reunion actually makes sense. Yeah, I do think it's something that makes sense and they need to be better. They cannot be, you know, one of the five worst teams in the NBA next year because they don't control their drafts after 2023, their 24 first round pick goes to Oklahoma city, unless it falls in the top four, which you can, you could go zero and 82 and that's still a coin flip. And 2025, it's a pick swap with Oklahoma city, 2026, their pick goes to Oklahoma city. So at some point you've got to get better. And James Harden, for whatever you might think of him, he makes your team better. And he had another double-digit assist game tonight uh, against the Wizards. Uh, he he is a this is a team that has not had a good offense really for, since he left, since he walked out the door. And he gives you he is a walking elite offense. That's just what he is. So I do think that he helps you. And I, I do you know we talk about example and all this other stuff. What is interesting about Harden is that he walks in here if he were to come back. He walks in here 
And he's got a relationship with all the guys that are already on the team, even though he hadn't played with any of them. You know, he, um, you, you go and he knows Josh Christopher from Arizona state. Christopher wore James Harden's number while at Arizona state. Uh, he's been a mentor and is already to Kevin Porter jr. He's been in frequent contact with Jalen green since he's gotten to the NBA. Uh, he was playing pickup against all these guys this summer at Toyota center. So there's a relationship there. I do think the Rockets need some sort of a veteran. I don't care who it is, but they need someone who's, they need a vet invested in the future of the organization. I think that Eric Gordon has been nice to have, but, and he's a great example to have, but I don't think Eric Gordon is really invested in the future of the organization because I think that his assumption is he's not part of the future of the organization. So to be able to get somebody like that, I think would benefit the team greatly. And they've got cap space and the cap space doesn't last forever. And so you can look at, you know, who's the free agents that are available next summer. And James Harden is right at the top of that list. And maybe they want to, if you want to pass on the, the 2023 free agency class, okay, go ahead. And you could swing for a big fish in 2024. We brought up Jalen Green. But if you come up empty, then you're in real bad shape. And there are some other ways that you can add talent to the roster, but they're not necessarily great ways. You're taking on some bad contracts in a trade. You're overpaying for other guys in free agency. So if you've got a chance to land somebody big who can help you moving forward, I think that you have to do it. Yeah, you talk about him being a walking offense, like in and of himself, he is he is an awesome an offense. He, he himself could be a system or a system that uh, the 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 center of your system, if you will. I um, mean, you also uh, you know talk about needing to be better. Like I I feel I feel like just again basketball sense, it makes perfect sense. He does or would make them better. You know this from covering James Harden and being around him that, you know, when he's on the floor, he almost immediately is the smartest basketball person involved in the game, whether it be player or coach, like in any given game, he could potentially be that guy just depending on who's out there, but he's right there in terms of basketball IQ and intelligence and all that. He he's rivals, uh, you know, anyone, he, you could put him up there with anyone with the best of them ever. So, so there, there is that for all the concern, whatever concern that a lot of fans have about uh, cohesion or a, a plan when they watch them play and not really understanding the method to the madness. I feel like you insert James Harden into the mix. You would get a much better sense for what the, at least get a much better sense for what, the Rockets are trying to do offensively, but I do want to follow up since you mentioned it, like, and you've made this point, you were making this point as well on sports radio 610, where you're on the air that they can't be bad again, or at the very least, not this level bad. No one's saying that next year they got to go to the Western conference finals or anything like that, or even be a top four seed or anything like that. But they need at the very least need to be competitive. You got this playing situation that you've had now for the last couple of years. That's something that they should probably look into be looking to at least factor into after these last few dead years. But let's just for the sake of the argument ask here, Adam, say they don't do this James Harden thing and they are still trying to get from here to there, trying to get from bad to at least good or passable. Like what is a, what's the reasonable path to that? If they, if they weren't to consider something like this or if something like this wasn't a, a realistic play for them, is it, is it pretty much just putting all your eggs in the basket of, hey, you got to get that high draft pick and hope that these young guys develop into some sort of winning players next year? 
Like, do you is there is there the, uh, an appropriate level of urgency to go get a player like this to improve the team so they can look like what you're talking about? I don't know what the urgency level is, but you kind of look at what the Hawks are or what the Hawks were, where you had all these young guys that were kind of drafted right around the same time. Um, so you had some cap space and then it was a couple summers ago, they went out and they splurged. Essentially they used their cap space knowing that they weren't going to have it for much longer. And you go and you sign Danilo Gallinari and you sign Bogdan Bogdanovich. You do a sign and trade, or I think he was a restricted free agent. So those are other ways that you can get better as a team by supplementing your roster through free agency. Um, they have their, their kind of their core right now. They will have what you would expect to be probably a top six pick at worst would be a top six pick. And then they'll have the cap space and it doesn't have to just be hard. And there are other guys out there who I think would help them. You look at somebody like Kyle Kuzma would probably help them if that's a direction that they wanted to go. Um, Cam Johnson, I think would fit really well with them, but in all likelihood uh, he's a restricted free agent. And I would imagine now that Robert Sarver is gone, that they would just match whatever offer sheet you give Cam Johnson. So that's where free agency this summer is a little complicated. The class just isn't that good. But when you go to 2024, all of a sudden the class gets much, much, much better. And, you know, we, we brought up uh, Jalen Brown as uh, one possibility of a guy who could be out there. Uh, just some other guys. I'm going to go through it quickly. Tyus Jones, not exactly in that class, but DeJounte Murray is an all-star. He's a free agent after 2024. DeMontis Sabonis is a free agent after 2024. Um, there are a couple other all-stars in there, Pascal Siakam, uh, being one. So there are guys that you could sign and that would help you, but it's a little dangerous if you're going to roll over your cap space into 2024, because then you have to make moves because then the cap space evaporates once, uh, Jalen Green gets his extension. Okay. So since we've talked about them both on this podcast today, we'll end it with this more realistic proposition for the Rockets in, in future free agency endeavors, bringing back James Harden and getting the band back together, not exactly getting the band back together, but bringing James Harden to join the new band that is formed here in Houston or the Jalen Brown idea of 2024. What is the more two, two part question? What's the more realistic and what's the more idealistic for, for the Rockets? I mean, I probably idealistic would be signing the 27 year old wing. Yeah. But that by far is not the most realistic. The most realistic would be Harden just because of his background with the organization. However, I don't think that's as possible maybe as we're making that sound. It, to me, it sounded like more of a ploy to get Philadelphia to give him the max contract he did. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. That's what it felt like to me, where I mean, he's going to Daryl Moore and saying, hey, man. You gave up a lot to get me. I took less money this year so we could enhance the roster. I'm not doing that again. You are giving me my money this time around, or else I will go right to Houston where you know I have a, a good relationship with that organization and with that city, and they've got all this cap space, so they, they don't even have to do a signing trade. You're not going to get anything back. Yeah, to me, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Adam, because to me it was basically James Harden or somebody close to him basically – reiterating to the public that he is not washed because that was a topic of conversation when he took the less money is James Harden even still good or how good is he and here he is leading the league in assist and still looking like for the most part nothing quite like what he was here in Houston but still 
an elite player, a plus level player and somebody who quite honestly should be able to, to command more money in free agency. If he continues to play the way that he's been playing this year, like he is aware that I don't know if betting on himself is the right way to put it, but he is aware. And, and that appears to maybe even be a strategy going forward to take shorter deals and just to kind of play it by ear to see how he's feeling, where he wants to be at a given moment. Um, but but yeah, that that's what it felt like to me, Adam, was James Harden saying, hey, look over here. I'm still pretty good. And if I opt out of this deal and I get back on the market, I should be able to get a whole lot more money, even if I got to take it to go back to go back to where I came from uh, with the Houston Rockets. Yeah, LeBron James has done the one plus one deals quite a bit over the last few years, really ever since he left Miami. So I could see that. And, you know, coming here, coming back to Houston, a whole lot less pressure coming back to the Rockets than there would be staying in Philly, especially on a younger team without those same expectations. So if I, I don't expect it to happen, I would expect him to stay in Philly. But if I'm the Rockets, I, I'm very, very open to it just because I think that he would help their young guys develop. I think that he's smarter than anyone else they have on the roster. And I, I do think that he brings a, I just think that he would, he would make them better and he would help them out, not just in the present, but also in the future. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have him back in the organization, even though it ended really badly the last time. Yeah. And, and I mentioned to our producer, Austin Mendez, before we started recording that it's hard to even imagine having this conversation. That's why I thought the timing of the report was odd because I don't think anybody's expecting Philly to win the title this year, but that's a competitive basketball team. And to me, it seems like this is just a really difficult conversation to have without knowing exactly how Philly is going to, is going to stack up in the end, like how things are going to finish there. It would be surprising to me if that didn't factor into things, both for James Harden and where he wants to be and what Philly would be willing to do with him contractually like if they'd be willing to, to up the ante like we're talking about so to me there's just way too many things that have not happened yet that have not been settled yet to even determine what james harden's market would look like in free agency and, and what his interest would be at the end of the year you know if he's on a you know if they go to the eastern conference finals that wouldn't make much sense to leave a team that went to the eastern conference finals and feels like it's on the cusp got a got another star player that's how old is Tyrese Maxey? Like 21, 22 years old, somewhere right, around there. He's third year in the league. Yeah, he's a I mean, he's still like a kid himself. So, like you've got you've got a future there, presumably, if you can figure that out. And, and there's all this talk I've heard too about, you know, whether James Harden and Tyrese Maxey can play together. All Tyrese Maxey has done since James Harden got there is improve as a basketball player. So I, I would argue that that's been good for his development. I could see, I could see how you could see some conflict there, and maybe if there's some some redundancy in, in who's got the ball or usage rates or whatever, but like he's made, he's made that guy, but you can go look at it. He's made that guy better. And I think overall makes that team better if he's playing at the level that he's been playing at recently. So, so yeah, I, I think there's way too much to be, to be said, or I guess to be, to be written with that story to, to really know exactly how it might end toward, uh, you know, toward the end of the season and into this off season, what James Harden might be thinking. And I think James Harden has proven over the last, you know, balance of his career, 15 years, that he can play with anyone. And he can play with anyone at a high level. It doesn't matter if it's uh, another guard, another center, whoever. He's going to be good no matter who you have next to him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's Adam Spillane. I am Brandon Scott. This is the H-Town 
Hoops podcast. Next up for the Rockets is going to be, they're going to be going to Dallas to face the Mavericks. Adam, what are the chances in this game that they can hold Luka to under 50 points this time? I know they're going to be on the road. Do you think they, maybe they can do that? He's got, last I saw, he has 53 right now. Right That's now. 50, 20, and 10 right now. Uh, for Luka Doncic, last time I checked, they uh, I think, believe he sent that game to overtime with a three. I'm not sure uh, who they're playing. Let me double check. But yeah, he's got 53 last at last look for the Mavs tonight. Yeah, well, in that case, I do not love the Rockets' chances of holding him under that figure if that's what he's doing tonight. I'm trying to see. It looks like they got the Knicks. Yeah, um, they've got the Knicks tonight. The Knicks at home in, in Dallas. There's a minute left in overtime. It looks like Dallas is going to win. Doncic 56, 21, and 10. So pretty good. Decent night. But, hey, maybe he, him having to play 40-plus minutes tonight means that they sit him two nights from now. Yeah, maybe. maybe. All, about, all about the future with the Mavs. Yeah. Yeah, they they certainly have an interesting present because it is, it is Luka and the Pips. It is Luka and just a bunch of dudes out there. It's going to be – I think it's going to be a really interesting MVP conversation come toward the end of the year when you talk about the guys that are in the running for that between obviously Giannis is going to be in the mix every year and Lucas should be in the mix certainly this year and probably is going to be in the mix most years in his career. And then here we are with Nikola Jokic making a very good case to be the third time MVP or three times in a row as the MVP. And I know Job Moran is doing some special things in, in Memphis as well, but, but Nikola Jokic, I, I, I would love to see how that ends up. If there's that uh voter fatigue or sort of the, the hesitation to, to give him that because of what it would say or what that would imply about him in the pantheon of the all time greats, like what it would say about a guy to win the award three times in a row, if the voters would be willing to do that uh, or, or if Luca, somebody that's carrying a, a team like the Mavericks on his back is going to be somebody that that is is ultimately somebody that they end up voting for or or, or even Giannis you know who's a a very easy pick I feel like every season yeah for sure there's there's some guys that you can just blindly vote for and be be okay 100% alright guys that's the H-Town Hoops podcast make sure you are subscribing liking rating reviewing telling everybody that you can about the podcast Austin Mendez produces this bad boy behind the scenes. We do it at least once a week. And until next time, y'all be good.